0: Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about. we really need to. So come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders and I know leadership. Welcome back to the room where leaders talk. I am extraordinarily excited today to talk to Sherry Dixon, who has had a very um, impactful career as a school leader, as a principal. For 28 years, she's been in the world of education, but also spent a lot of time leading schools. And if you know anything about education, it is a, and, and leadership in and education, it is a multifaceted um, experience. Um, this year, June of this year, she transitioned out of the seat of school principal and school leader and moved into creating her own consulting practice, which continues to work with leaders, mentoring leaders, especially business owners and school principals, both new principles as well as more experienced principles, but helping leaders understand the systems processes that help run a great organization, but also the internal stuff that you need to have as a leader in order to be effective. So Sherry, I'm super excited to have you. Uh, We're going to have an exciting conversation. Um, And so as we we kick off here, I'm going to actually just rip the Band-Aid off. So after 28 years you decided that you were going to transition out of what you'd been doing for so many years and start something new. So how's that going? How is it? How is how is the process of seeing a new opportunity and starting to walk into it? What are the, some of the things that you're learning about yourself as a as a leader, as a woman, as now a business owner, what are some of the things that you're experiencing?
1: Well, uh, that's a great question. And first, I want to say thank you for bringing me on board because I love talking about leadership. It's one of those things that I never thought I would do in life. And it just kind of fell into place, I guess, People saw it in me and just kind of pushed me in that direction. And you're right. I was doing this for so long. I was in the principal seat for 16 years. I led three different campuses, two in the Houston area and one in Des Moines, Iowa. So you can see that they were all very different types of settings. But um, the commonality was that I would be called in to schools that were struggling and um, needed to have help to help get them Back on track before the state would come and take them over. And I love that work. It really did fulfill all of my career challenges, all of my goals in my career. Until it didn't. And um, I realized when I was turning 50 and lost a close friend um, suddenly that life is very, very short. And if you know anything about public education, which is very similar in so many other service type businesses, You dedicate your world to it. You dedicate your life. And I was finding myself spending 50, 60, sometimes 65 to 70 hours just focused on taking care of everybody else, my teachers, my uh, families, the students. And when I wasn't doing that, I was trying to learn new ways of doing things so that I could be as innovative as possible, especially through some of the challenges that we've had in the past few years. Again, being in the Houston area, we went through a very challenging time with hurricanes and um those types of things. We had Hurricane Harvey hit our area very, very impactfully, and um, then the pandemic and all of the other things that go on just in life. So making a transition, I knew was needed for my own personal life, but it was hard because I didn't. I didn't not like the job. The job was so fulfilling and so. Um, important, you know, and when you're impacting other people, of course, I almost felt like I was going to be cheating on public education by mm. leaving. Wow. And um so I made that decision though about a year ago and I gave myself a deadline and I said at the end of 2023, 22, 23, I was going to step away. And I can always go back if I want. However, I wanted two big things in life. I wanted to be able to have some schedule freedom. And I wanted to have some location freedom. Uh, My daughter is an adult now. She's starting a family. And I want to be able to be around for my grandchildren because I wasn't always there for her, you know, as she was growing up. And so stepping away. The first day, I think I cried maybe a little bit only because not because I'm a weak person. I'm a very strong person, but because it was different. I was stepping out of my comfort zone and I was having to learn how to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And um, I could tell people how to do that, but then I had to actually apply those skills on my own. So, you know, there are good days and there are bad days, just like everybody else. But I think one of the most important things that I had to just keep remembering is, why? Why did I do this? And what kind of impact can I have on the future? Because we all read the statistics. We know what's happening in the world right now. Schools are organizations. And if schools fail, if small businesses fail, it's going to affect so many things in the future. And when you're bound to some of the rules and policies of public education, you can't always make some of the big changes. And so I'm hoping that my role in this new endeavor will be able to have a different kind of impact to help people keep hope and just know that they can be big and do big things in their lives.
0: Thank you. So thank you. You you gave me a few threads to pull on. I think (laughs) one one of the things that people, and as you're talking, um, in one of my past lives, um, I founded and led a, a school. And I, and I think what people don't recognize who aren't in the day-to-day work of education, except I think those parents who had the opportunity during the pandemic, now you know what teachers go through and school leaders go through. Um, but what I one of the things that I think is fantastic about, about education and about leading an educational organization is you really, as a leader, have to understand systems, processes, leading people. You have to understand humans of all ages. You have to understand and know how to manage conflict, um, because there's always conflict. Either you know somebody's kid didn't come home with a hat, and so that's the major blow up, or you know whatever. Right. But but so so I think it's important. And and people may be asking, well, you know what? How can how can a school leader help my business? And I think the piece that I would wonder that you know, as you're as you're moving in and learning, what are you seeing in how your skills and your leadership skills, particularly, can trans translate into helping small business owners think about or or leaders, not just small business owners, leaders, right? No matter what we in, what endeavor, but how do you how do you see being able to help leaders navigate their their worlds that they that they have?
1: That's a great question. And I'm going to back up just a little bit um, and hit two things before I answer that. One, when I was going through all of my learning and career and starting to position myself into leadership, I was very fortunate. I moved to Houston after college and I've been here almost um, my whole adult life. And I was able to find myself a program to work on my master's through the University of Houston that actually prepared teachers to run schools in Houston Independent School District. And I point that out because they run their schools a little bit different, or at least they did. I know if you watch the news, you probably see all that goes on in that. I know it's even nationwide, but um, years back in the early 2000s when I did complete my master's. They were preparing people with business courses. And so a lot of what we did was aligning the systems, the policies, procedures, the leadership skills, your climate culture, all of that to how organizations work, small businesses work. Even one of our case studies was on um, the Robert Mondavi wine collections because Uh of the similarities with how schools align with organizations. And so that was very, very helpful. Now, I never went into an HISD school, but I would be prepared to do that. The other thing that I think really is important to say is, as I've been making this transition and trying to learn the new skills about business, because my education, besides that master's program, was in education. I learned how to teach reading and math and, right. you know, handwriting and all of those great things. But um as I'm learning these new skills and reading all of the best business books out there that I can find, so many align with exactly the work that I did in these turnarounds. And so I think that's important for people to know, because the question you're asking, I get that question already. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my first clients said, well, you're not in the food service in just industry, so how do I know you can help me? You don't know anything about it. And School my lunch. response... Yeah, exactly. Because it's the cafeteria at school, right? (laughs) And nobody wants to talk about that, I I promise. Um, But what I had to say to her was, you're right. Your content, your craft is in food service. My craft is in helping businesses scale to the next level. And I have proven track record of doing that. I have processes that do that. And... Once she realized it's not about food any longer, it's about that. And one of the examples I gave her was when I was a teacher, I was great. I had awards, I had you know mentors under me, I had student teachers that were assigned to me. I did a good job in the classroom, part of why I moved up into leadership. However, when I became the leader, I could no longer be the teacher. I had to right. step out of that role and now be the leader of teachers. Nice. And that takes a different skill set. And so I think that a lot of times when businesses get started, you start something because you're good at the craft, right? Um, let's say baking a cake. You're really good at baking cakes, so you start a bakery. But if you don't know about systems, policies, procedures, and how to get your people to follow your vision, then you will fail. And so Absolutely. I think that's important for people to know.
0: So absolutely, one hundred percent, and I and I think the again, you talk about um, the leaders, people who have developed strength as leaders and and have had have had to manage, you know, multiple people, what have you. What I have discovered is that we can pretty much plug in anywhere because leadership is about people and it's also about understanding what systems and processes are being able to ask those powerful questions to know hmm. this there's something wonky here that we need to dive into and so as we kind of think about the the transferability and the connection one of the things that you had talked about is you have been brought in to t- to to turn around three struggling schools was the word you used uh so if you just Kind of take a step back. Um, what are indicators for you of a struggling organization? So based on you, you came, you know, you were brought in. What were the indicators? What were maybe the top five things that you saw or see when you walk into an organization and you and you know you're like, oh, there's some stuff that needs to be worked. What are some things that you tend to see?
1: So I think most of the reoccurring themes that we're going to see is the first big one and that systems processes and procedures. Um, Every school that I've worked in, every school that I've mentored somebody doing a turnaround, they're usually absent or they're not aligned with current practices. Um, We saw a lot of that, you know, after the pandemic for sure, because we had to learn how to do things so different so quickly. But if you were trying to do the old thing, you know, you were not going to get the results. What is it that saying from, I don't even know, doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result right. is the you know definition of insanity. So I think that is one big indicator. And you can feel that when you walk into or have a conversation with somebody about the business. Um, but of course, without being there, right there to ap- actually witness it, I have some different surveys and different uh, data collection tools that can help us get to that point, because that one is probably the biggest one, and it's going to be the most apparent. The next one that I see happen more than not is climate and culture, and I've recently been talking about that on some of my platforms, and I really kind of align it to branding because it's about how people feel about your work what their perception of their work is and how we do things here, right? Your values, your core beliefs and those types of things. And if they're not aligned with the leader, (laughs) we've got some problems. And if they're not aligned with you getting to your goal, again, lots of situations. And you feel that right away. This last school that I went into, I will tell you, I went to observe the May before I actually took over in July and it took me five minutes to see that the climate of the building was off because of the way people were talking to each other, the feel you got when you walked in. Um, so it's it's pretty apparent. I think the next one that's real big that I stay focused on is the leadership skills. You said it best, and it's something I repeat all the time. Leadership is about people. You're empowering people to do their best work. To help you get to your goals, you're engaging them in the work. But if you're just managing people and a lot of people go into leadership who have not developed those skills yet and think that they need a checklist or think that they need to have the power or think that they're the only one with the title. And so that makes them the most important. And that's not what leadership is. Leadership is not having power it's about empowering others Others. and so you know I think that as leaders you go into those positions as I mentioned because you were good at something you did but if your skills haven't been developed or you're not communicating your expectations to your people then you're going to struggle and then finally yeah Go ahead, sorry.
0: sorry. No, go ahead. I was just
1: going to say, finally, I think communication is always Mm -hmm. key. If you're not communicating the best out to your clients, your customers, your communities, your employees, if you're just thinking that, assuming that everybody already knows, well, you're setting yourself up for disaster.
0: I think that it's a, I mean, culture, definitely. No matter where you go, you can feel it the moment you walk into a building. And I've always said to folks that... Culture is either intentional or intentional. You either intentionally are ignoring whatever's there or you're intentionally building what you want. And I think that that is something that, no matter what type of organization you can be a Fortune 100 or you can be a you know brand new mom and pop uh, business, or you can be a school, uh, that culture is huge because it impacts. Everything. And it starts, in my opinion, from leadership and what leaders are allowing to have happen, what behaviors, kind of what you just said. You walk into a building, you can, you know, you hear people's talk, you hear people, Mm -hmm. how people are interacting with each other. And and it and it again goes back to why I think people who've been in school leadership have a particularly and who've done the work to develop as strong leaders and effective leaders, is that the these building blocks are again. They show up everywhere we do work in with teams all across the country and if communication is wonky or siloed or people aren't building bridges and talking to each other it's the whole thing is just wonky right and so I do I definitely I definitely appreciate those climate culture systems uh, processes uh, leadership communication those are all really critical Things, no matter what kind of industry, no matter what kind of work um, that that people are in. So, one of the things uh, that uh, that I've learned along the way is that leadership can be extremely lonely. Like, there's a lot that goes on in leadership that you really are not privy to talk about, or you're not privy to talk about, or you know, you you, you can't share everything with everyone. And so, one of the things. One of the things that I was thinking about when i was when I was preparing for this um, conversation is that when you're going into a turnaround environment or when you're going into an organization that's struggling, that I think that it can potentially become even lonelier because there's usually one really important ingredient missing, which is trust. So can you talk about talk a bit about when you've Come into a new organization that's really struggling, you're the outsider or you're the insider outsider um, and you now have the job of shifting minds, hearts and building systems processes, and procedures like can you talk about what you as a leader like how do you get yourself focused every day to do that work? what's your internal conversation you know or if you have a story of where you like really felt like the wheels fell off and you had to kind of put yourself back together to continue to move forward. That would be really awesome.
1: Yes, that is, um, that one is big because we hear everybody talk about work-life balance. We hear everybody talk about their mental health, their emotional health right now. And, you know, you're right. The leader position is so lonely. You find your people that you can connect with and have, you know, some hard conversations with, However, you do have to be so discreet with so many things. And so doing, you know, learning that and thinking about that, and that was one thing that I kind of learned by accident because, not because I did something, but because My first principalship that I um, took, I followed somebody that did every single thing wrong. And I was actually the assistant principal at the time. So I saw it firsthand. And sometimes you either learn from the best or you learn from the worst. Right. Right. Um, And part of. The problem was the trust and the communication and the sharing of different things. So you learn that pretty quickly. How do you set yourself up for that? I think you have to really become very self-aware about your own needs. Um, if you are somebody that wears your feelings on your sleeve, you're you're gonna have to work on that, you know, because it's hard. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest, we all know it's hard. And um if you're going to take everything personal and let everything affect your feelings, then you're going to set yourself up for failure. I do think that you have to learn the difference between constructive feedback and complaints and just You'll never make any everybody happy kind of thing, you know. You've got to go into it knowing that you're, you're doing the best that you can. And if there are opportunities for you to reflect on feedback, then definitely you um, take those opportunities and, you know, you determine if it's something that you can use moving forward. I think you do have to set yourself up to really be able to um, manage your stress and overwhelm. I do that specifically, Um, I'm a runner. I like to go hang with friends. And I really found and here, this is interesting. I know you said you've been in schools before. So it'd be interesting to hear if you've experienced this. But your school becomes your family, right? Especially for Mm -hmm. me, because I was a transplant. And as a teacher, all of my friends were, we were transplants. Houston's known for that. And so we became like a family and we would hang out on the weekends and we would do things in the evenings and our children grew up together. But then you find that you're always talking about school.
0: Right. There's no break.
1: (laughs) There's no break. And I had to purposefully start putting myself in different rooms because if I was constantly in the thick of all of the problems with schools, I couldn't give myself that moment, you know, to breathe and just really. And it took me a while to understand that. And it actually took me going into the principal position to really know that that was something super important but I do I think one of the most important takeaways of that question is just you have to understand you and you have to know that this journey is not going to be easy. I saw a post on social media just the other evening in a principal group and this principal second year in was just listing everything that was going wrong. And I think you too have to kind of control your narrative because, of course, everybody was like, I, I didn't respond, but everybody's responding You knew this was going to be hard. You knew that, you know, and you you have to know that. And that's just talking about schools, but it translates to any organization. If you're the leader, the buck's going to stop with you. And so... You have to be prepared for that. And for some people, I have a close friend that she took on a principal position, did it for about three years. And then she said, no, that's not for me. And she went back into the classroom as a teacher and she is as happy as she can be. And it was the right move for her. So you have to be able to be okay with saying, this is what my needs are. Do they align with your organization, with this position I'm going to take the feeling out of it. Not to say that you don't care, but that, that personal feeling. I'm not going to be attacked by this. And if I can lay my head down at night on the pillow and know that I did my very best job, then that's the best thing that anyone can ever hope for.
0: Sherry, do you find that in education that there's a a, a higher degree of emotiveness around kind of the personal what I mean by that is, you just kind of gave this example of, you know, all the, you know, all the teachers were my friends, and so we were kind of family. So we were just constantly talking about this stuff and and really being emotive, like you know, our our emotions, our expressiveness about it. Um, like I'm curious if you find that in kind of your new journey now, if you see any contrasts between how Um, I will say emotionally raw for the lack of a better word, but how express emotionally expressive people can be, it seems in education compared to business, or do you see it? I mean, have you had examples where you can see it being very similar?
1: Um, I think of course, I mean, very different. um, Sorry. Yeah, no, I I think everything (laughs) I answer a lot of things with the word. It depends. Um, I do think that one thing about education, if you've ever really sat in a classroom and watched a teacher, even the most introverted teachers we all know you got to be on stage when you're, you know, with the students, right? And so I do think that teachers can be a little more emotionally charged. Plus, you know, they don't go into this because they're getting a lot of money. They don't go into this really for the vacations, right? Because most of the time you're staff developing or learning or doing whatever on your time off. So I think that there's a lot of personal feelings when it comes to that. And I think that, you know, just my opinion if teachers were paid a little more, maybe they'd be regarded as a different type of professional. And then maybe that would alleviate some of that. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, however, I do find it's just going to depend on the type of business owner or leader in the organization because. Most people go into their new business, their new endeavors, this new leadership role, because they have the passion to do something big, to make change. And the most passionate people are going to be, you know, usually your most emotionally charged people. Um, That is one thing that I consider very much in my support with organizations because again when you're talking about the leadership skill you have to balance um i'm a pretty competitive person and i've been told before that i have a little more masculine masculine energy sometimes and feminine energy when it comes to certain things and then i've been told the opposite that that i'm too passionate that you know i get too emotionally connected so i think you have to learn that balance and um depending upon where the leader is in the journey the the employees or the staff, the people that are involved in your organization I think so the the answer really is it depends in my opinion. Um, now of course some, I think some organizations will, you know, lend themselves to being a little more cut and dry. I was in a networking yesterday with an engineer, a former engineer who's now starting a business. And he flat out said, I have been told you do things this way, and that's the only way. Right. And I want a checklist, that's how I work. And now I can't work that way. So right. I think it, you know, there's just so many factors that go into it. But the more you know about humans and people, mm-hmm. um, relationships. I think you can navigate that a little bit better for sure.
0: So thank you for that. Because I think what, where I, as I was listening, is that at the end of the day, leaders, there isn't a cut and dry checklist as a leader. The role or title is just that. It's a role or a title on a piece of paper. And what I think is powerful about leading in educational environments and how I think people who've been in those environments can be highly effective in other environments, depending on their ability to kind of navigate it, is that school leaders have to walk through and process multiple different kinds of scenarios, very similar or with some level of similarity between like military So in a military environment, I'm a former Marine. So in the military environment, you know, you may be preparing for, you know, an exercise or mission to the left and something, a series of things happen. And suddenly you need to reconfigure, you need to move your people. You need to do all of these different things in order to now revise your mission and go now to the right. And I think it's, as you were sharing, I was thinking about you know, the power that you have, you, the the, the skill set that you have in helping and mentoring uh, business owners and leaders to really, to really think about kind of these razor edge moments. Like, you know, there's, if you take this path, these are the things, what do you think of the things that can happen if you take this path? Or you've just been confronted with this, what's your next set of steps? Because I think that that's a skill that we don't talk about a lot, in education and school leadership is that one's ability to—I used to call it contingency planning. I'd have literally ten or twelve contingency plans in my head, depending on various scenarios that could happen. Can you talk a little bit about how, when you know, if you were if you're mentoring, uh, you know, either a new owner or a new school leader, like how do you start to help them think about? these various nuances and ambiguities that they have to manage? Like, how do you help them think through that?
1: That's a really good point because you're right. You are making so many fast-paced decisions so quickly. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're in that, you know, you're taking care of little humans in school, right? Right. So children are your most important. And as we all know with the things that are happening these days, especially with school safety, you just have Mm to, you have to think every possible worst case scenario right or every possible this could happen this could happen what are we going to do i think one of the most important things is first off mentoring someone i need to be sure that they have a very good grasp on what their plan a is um, if we don't have a solid plan a in place everything is going to be about reacting right and so if The first thing coming in is we need to figure out what's happening, what is the norm, what are the expectations, and how do we do these things? Then the next piece is really taking them through some real-life conversations or experiences um, where they can see what happens when you can't start thinking about a plan B, C, D, X, Y, Z. And how do you start to develop that skill set? It does take some time, I, I know. And I know that in an ideal world, I would love to be able to have them with me like four or six months ahead of time before they actually went in and did their work so that you could see. I learned best from observing and watching others, taking in good things that happen and not so great things. And so having those experiences and then being able to sit down and talk about it kind of almost like, I think back to student teaching, right? Way back in the day I had to mm-hmm. student teach and I was with a teacher all the time, um, mm-hmm. guiding me and directing me. And if I made a bad decision coming in right away, or if something was happening that I couldn't see being able to do that, we don't always have those opportunities. So you have to s- simulate it the best way that you can, but Knowing that when I come in to do the work with someone, they need to, number one, I have a few contracts and things that I have them complete. They have to take their personal feelings out. You know, it's not personal. If I tell you, okay, that was not a good idea. It's not because I don't like you or you're a bad person. It's just because we need to fix this situation quickly. I think we need to remember the sense of urgency. So I tell them when we talk about something I need a commitment that you're going to do the work to implement the something. And if you're not able to do it, you're communicating with me immediately so that we can make some arrangements and some um, other types of plans. But again, the bottom line has to be the more prepared you are for plan a, the more equipped Mm -hmm. you're going to be for plan whatever whatever happens yeah and and knowing that you kind of need to be a step ahead so you know when Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier how this person that I'm currently working with said I wasn't in the food service business you still have to have a little knowledge you have to do your research if you're walking Mm -hmm. into a school or a bank or a accounting firm or whatever it is that you are leading you really need to know a little something about what's been going on. And that's where you ask those questions and you do those deep dive analysis so that you get a good feel. You look at their website, you look at their social media, you really do your homework, um, almost as if you're preparing for an interview, right? Mm-hmm so that you can have some kind of idea. Okay, if we have this system in place, it's solid, but something goes wrong, what would be our options so that you can guide, you know, the person, but um developing that relationship of value and trust with my mentee is also super important, because if they don't trust that I'm going to hear them, listen to them, believe in them, and be supportive if something goes wrong. Nobody wants to walk in and go, "Okay, I'm being reprimanded for this," right? Because right, that's not right. the intent. Right? Uh, it's the intent to develop you and grow you. So um, it all comes back to that. What we said: everything is about people and understanding, and then making sure those systems are in place.
0: So the the it, it reminds me that again, always that leadership is always an inside job. Uh, that people, and I've seen this, I have horror stories, unfortunately, about people who thought that a leadership role was about the new money and the title. And the lack of preparation was startling, Mm -hmm. frankly. Um, But I think that there's a, I think we can have, number of different things, people who are great individual contributors get that tap on their shoulder. Oh my gosh, we have a leadership ba- vacancy. Will you do it? Person's like, yeah, absolutely. They run and they jump in and, and then because they're excited about the title and the, you know, the the bump in salary, but they don't realize once you get there, your life is completely different, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's, it's completely and dramatically different. Um, and so it just reminds me again, as you're sharing just that leadership is always an inside job. It's not about the title. Um, you can have a lot of informal leaders. You know, we have people who are in, you know, individual contributors in any organization who are the leaders of the organization based on the relationships, the trust that they have, and they're able to get things done or stop things from getting done uh, as well. Um, just as we get close to wrapping up, I'm curious, your, just to kind of take you back to the beginning. Your journey of reinvention and reimagining your your path, what's been the thing that's been most surprising to you uh, as you as you're continuing to to grow and build in this in this in this this new path? Like what's been most surprising to you?
1: I love that you asked that because there is one big thing that really stands out to me. Um, I was. Very successful in public education. I've been, and it's never about the awards, right? However, when people come to you for mentoring, um, when district people feel like we don't have to worry about you, you're in charge, you've got this, that kind of thing, um, even in places where I've been doing most of the work, but then when I leave, they get two or three people to come in and do the job because of the skill set that I have. And it's not anything about bragging, but it's about the hard work that went into right, it. I went into yeah. When I left that, I was not well known in this new world, right? So building the reputation the value, that trust factor, knowing that I'm here to support and not just take over something or uh, tell you what to do, be your boss, that kind of thing. Networking, learning how to market it. That's been the hardest. And um, I told my business coach This very thing a couple months ago, she said, you don't realize how much you're doing and how far you've come. And I said, yes, it's because I'm holding myself to the standard of where I was a year ago as a school leader, and I'm not there and I'll get there. I'm not there yet. I don't have a disbelief that I won't make it, but it is a challenge to go from being a big fish in a small pond to a little fish in the ocean. You right. know, and I think people have to understand that I would do this over and over and over. This transition was exactly what I needed. I would recommend it to people if you're in a position that you can do it. And I tell my daughter all the time, even with the challenges that I've experienced, I won't go, but I'm not going back at back. this point.
0: Right. Right. Um,
1: but you do have to be prepared for the change of perception from other people because they're, they don't know you. You're not known in that, that, place until yeah, you
0: are. That completely resonates with me. And I think that um I've talked, I've spoken to a couple of folks who who have, for whatever variety of reasons, have gone through or going through some sort of uh transition and particular a professional transition, uh, because it's the thing that our identity, whether we want it to be or not, is completely enmeshed in. And I think you gave a great example, Sherry, of like being the person everybody knows, that all the accolades, you walk in the room, you know, 70% of the room knows who you are and knows, knows what you do to walking in the room and going like, geez, nobody knows who I am here, right? And that I think, again, like, like how do you, when that happens, what's the internal conversation that you're having with yourself to keep yourself Right. Because it would seem like it's very easy to go, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming, daunting. I can always go back and do that thing over there. What's the internal conversation that you're having with yourself that keeps you showing back up for your reinvention, reimagined life?
1: Well, day number one, the conversation was, wow, you pretty much suck. You need to quit, um, just to be very transparent. <laughs> and then I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You didn't come this far to just come this far. This you far. Know? Yeah. And yeah. so what I have to tell myself each day, and I start the day very intentional. I start with just a very specific process in the mornings. I do some learning. I do some reflecting. I do a lot of self-talk. And I have to tell myself, And celebrate every single small win because the other part is we get caught up in that comparison trap as well especially if you have anything to do with social media and right now everything is about social media right it's part of an advertising plan it's part of marketing everything and when you're looking at people's feed and you think wow, look what they're doing. Why can't I do that? (laughs) I mean, they make it look so easy, right? Right.
0: Six figures
1: in one month. My first month at it. Okay, (laughs) number one, how do we know that that's really true? And number two, and I say this, I've done some public speaking since I've been away, and um, I say this in one of my little presentations, we can never compare ourselves to somebody's day 100 on our day one. Um, That's great. Yeah, and it's hard. It's really hard because you have to tell yourself that quite a bit. But again, being intentional about how you set your day up and then making sure you celebrate every single small win. You may not get the sale that day. You may not get the award that day. You may not be the person they reach out to when they need advice on that day. However, two days ago, people were using and sharing your content To go help others, you know, so you have to think about those types of things and give yourself a little grace. That was a big thing I had to learn because I like things on my own timeline. (laughs) I'm I'm a high achiever. And um, when it doesn't work out, learn the lesson from it and, you know, move forward. But you just really have to know transition is always hard. Change is hard. You just have to choose your hard. Um, Right. You either stay in something that's not fulfilling you any longer and deal with it, or you get uncomfortable. Um, I think it's the Duke basketball, women's basketball coach. I think her name's Kara Lawson. She says something like, we just have to learn how to do hard better, you know, and if you're going into this, just like leadership, you just have to know, get ready, because it's going to be uncomfortable. But then one day, you're going to wake up, and it's not uncomfortable anymore. Yeah, no.
0: I think that's perfect. That's a perfect um, perfect way to to wrap out wrap up our conversation. Um I'm super excited and really glad to have had this conversation with you, Sherry. Um just as we close out, what's your favorite? What's your kind of favorite thing you're looking to engage in terms of customers, experiences that you want to have? what What would that look like for you?
1: Well, so of course, you know, my goal is to impact as many. Schools and businesses as I possibly can. So anybody that's out there and really needs, you know, that kind of support and really wants a different lens on it, an outside perspective that's not in the thick of it and has had lots of experiences, as you mentioned before, my experiences just lend to it. But I am working on a new project coming out. Um, in addition to this work, I'm an author and I have an online talk show, and. Um, I've really enjoyed being able to share my knowledge with people as well. And so one thing that I'm going to be working on in 2024 is a docu-series on autism and how it affects families all the way from the start of the journey to, and this has kind of been a new discovery for me through your middle age, your older age, you know, long-term care plans and things like that, which it never goes away. So I think, Having that come out is something I'm real passionate about
0: as well. A new adventure.
1: Yeah. A new
0: adventure. Awesome. Well, Sherry, thank you so much again. Sherry Dixon, uh, lifelong leader, leader, developer of leaders, um, and with her own consulting firm now, uh, Sherry Dixon Consulting. I'm super excited to get a chance to talk to you. As I said, all of her contact information will be in our show notes. And please feel free to reach out um, and connect. I will I will personally vouch for <laughs> her level of skill as a scu- as a school leader if she's done 3 or more school turnarounds you want her in your organization to be like the sniff test of what's happening because I will tell you uh school leaders that have that skill set are extraordinary in any environment and I'm saying that as Someone who has a bit of experience in that. So reach out to her, make sure you connect with her. And again, Sherry, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate it. Um, I have so enjoyed this and listening to your podcast. I just only see big things for you in the future as well. So
0: awesome. once again, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in The Room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website, leaderstransform.com and continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening, and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.